the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Now, you know what? It's easy to understand why the unsaved of this world might exclude certain individuals from their groups. It's because in their sinful pride, they look down on anyone who is just different than they are. This is the way the fallen, depraved, sinful man thinks and behaves. His self-centered ego drives him to exalt and promote himself by putting others down and beneath him. And as a result, the world that we live in, it's always been like this. It will continue to be like this until Jesus comes. The world that we live in is a world of bigotry and prejudice and racism. What's much more difficult to understand and to stomach is how churches can exclude people or make them feel unwelcome because of racial or ethnic or social differences when the New Testament speaks so clearly against this kind of behavior. And one of the places in Scripture where God makes it abundantly clear that he is against all racial prejudice and welcomes all who trust Jesus Christ for salvation into his church is Acts chapter 10. prejudice is an ugly thing no matter where it happens. However, it should never happen among God's people. Welcome to Verse by Verse in our series, The Gospel Comes to the Gentiles. If ever there was a prejudice between people groups, it was between the Jews and the Gentiles. What was God's take on that? We have already been learning that Jesus welcomes all who come to Him for salvation, regardless of the color of their skin their ethnic identity, or their religious or social background. That was something that our friend Peter was being taught in Acts chapter 10, and it was a tough lesson for him. It might be easy for us to wonder why Peter had such a hard time with what God was asking him to do. But let's not look at Peter's struggles. Let's ask God to apply today's verse by verse to our lives. With today's session, here is Pastor Steve Kreloff. In his commentary on Acts, Bible teacher Kent Hughes tells the story of Mahatma Gandhi, the man who led India's independence movement against British rule, and Gandhi's attraction to Christianity during his student days in London. Here's what Kent Hughes writes. Mahatma Gandhi shares in his autobiography that in his student days in England, he was deeply touched by reading the Gospels and seriously considered becoming a convert to Christianity, which seemed to offer a real solution to the caste system that divided the people of India. 
One Sunday, he attended church services and decided to ask the minister for enlightenment on salvation and other doctrines. But when Gandhi entered the sanctuary, the ushers refused to give him a seat and suggested that he go elsewhere to worship with his own people. He left and never came back. If Christians have caste differences also, he said to himself, I might as well remain a Hindu. And that's exactly what he did. What a shame that this happened to Gandhi. And what a disgraceful exhibition of racial prejudice on the part of the ushers of that church. Not only were these men wrong in turning away Gandhi from inquiring about Christ, but what they did is the antithesis of biblical Christianity. Because Jesus seeks to win souls. Jesus welcomes all who come to him for salvation, regardless of the color of their skin or their ethnic identity or their religious or social background. Now, you know what? It's easy to understand why the unsaved of this world might exclude certain individuals from their groups. It's because in their sinful pride, they look down on anyone who is just different than they are. This is the way that fallen, depraved, sinful man thinks and behaves. His self-centered ego drives him to exalt and promote himself by putting others down and beneath him. And as a result, the world that we live in, it's always been like this. It will continue to be like this until Jesus comes. The world that we live in is a world of bigotry and prejudice and racism. What's much more difficult to understand and to stomach is how churches can exclude people or make them feel unwelcome because of racial or ethnic or social differences when the New Testament speaks so clearly against this kind of behavior. And one of the places in Scripture where God makes it abundantly clear that he is against all racial prejudice and welcomes all who trust Jesus Christ for salvation into his church is Acts chapter 10, the chapter that we began to study last Sunday morning. Now, as you recall, the purpose of this chapter is to tell us how the gospel message finally came to the Gentiles. And in light of this, I think it's helpful for you to know that historically, by the time we come to Acts chapter 10, the church has actually been in existence for about a decade, having been born on the day of Pentecost. And for the last 10 years, the gospel message has definitely not been stagnant. It's been moving, it's been advancing, it's been making steady progress in the lives of many people. And we know this because we keep reading on the pages of Acts such encouraging words as Acts 2.47, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And then chapter 5, verse 14, and all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their numbers. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, we've also read chapter 9, verse 31, how local churches were springing up in places like Judea and Galilee and Samaria. But while it's true that souls were being saved and new churches were being established, for the first 10 years of the church's existence, the spread of the gospel was limited to Jewish souls and Jewish churches. 
Apart from some Samaritans who we read about coming to faith in Christ in chapter 8, at this point in time, the church of Jesus Christ was exclusively Jewish. But that's not how the Lord ever intended his church to be. Long before Jesus commissioned his disciples to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, meaning to the Gentiles, he had revealed that the church that he would die for, the church that he would purchase, would be made up of Jews and Gentiles, having stated in John chapter 10 that he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus went on to make the statement that his sheep are not only Jewish, but Gentiles as well. Here's what he said in verse 16. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Now that was our Lord's plan from the very beginning, for his church to consist of Jewish and Gentile disciples under his lordship as their one and only shepherd. But for 10 years, there have been only Jewish sheep added to the fold. The one exception to this, apart from, as I said, those Samaritans, who were partly Jewish anyway, but the one exception to all this has been an Ethiopian man who Philip led to Christ also in chapter 8. But this man returned to Ethiopia, and there is no biblical record of what happened to him or that a church of Gentile Ethiopians was established in Africa. There is no biblical record of what happened to this man. So the church of Jesus Christ remained exclusively Jewish in nature for the first 10 years of her existence. But folks, all that's about to change in Acts chapter 10 with the conversion of a Gentile man named Cornelius and his household. And from this point on, not only in Acts, but in church history, Gentiles begin to enter the church, the body of Christ, and they become one with their Jewish brethren. But before this can happen, the Lord needs to change the heart of Peter, the man who Jesus gave the keys of the kingdom to back in Matthew chapter 16. And the point of those keys is that Peter is the one sovereignly chosen by the Lord to open the door. That's what the keys speak of, to open the door of salvation to Jewish people as well as Gentiles. Now, he's already opened the door of salvation to the Jewish people. He did that on the day of Pentecost when he preached to thousands of Jews in the city of Jerusalem and 3,000 came to faith in Christ that day. He even had a part in opening salvation to the Samaritans by praying that the Samaritan believers would receive the Holy Spirit. But he hasn't, up to this point, preached the gospel to any Gentile. And the reason for this is because Peter, as I told you last week, though a believer in Christ, had a hard time letting go of deep-rooted Jewish prejudice against Gentiles. And so for Peter to proclaim Christ to Cornelius, he has to first experience a radical change in his thinking about Gentiles. Specifically, he must change his mind about what he was raised to believe, that Gentiles are unclean before God, and therefore he must not have any close associations with them, or he would be contaminated. That's what he was raised to believe. That's what every Jewish person of that era was raised to believe. And that's why, as we saw last week, the opening verses of chapter 10 give us two unique scenes involving two separate visions that God gave Cornelius and Peter. In the first vision given to Cornelius, an angel tells him to send for Peter, who is staying in Joppa, 
which is about 30 miles south of where he was stationed in Caesarea. And the reason the angel says to go send for Peter is because Peter's going to tell him how to be saved. Now we know more of that, as I told you last week, because chapter 11 explains that. And so Peter, he says, go send for him. He'll tell you about salvation, how to be right with God, how to have your sins forgiven, how to be in right standing and reconciled to God. Meanwhile, in Joppa, 30 miles south, the Lord gives Peter his own his own vision of all kinds of animals, both clean and unclean, according to the Old Testament law, kosher and non-kosher, and he orders him to eat them without making any distinctions between them. And Peter's initial reaction is to refuse and to protest. Lord, I've never done this in my life. Why? Because he has never eaten any unclean, non-kosher food. He's never enjoyed lobster all of his life. But God explains to him that while he is now repealing the Old Testament law concerning dietary restrictions, this vision is primarily about human beings, about individuals, with the message of the vision being spelled out for us in verse 15. What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. In other words, Peter, you are no longer to look upon Gentiles as unholy and morally inferior to the Jewish people. You are no longer to think that Jews are clean and Gentiles unclean. You are no longer to believe that Jews are better than Gentiles and that by associating with the Gentile, you will be contaminated or tainted. You are no longer to believe that. Now, this is what the Lord was saying to Peter by this vision, so that he would soon understand that it was not only the Lord's will for him to take the gospel to Gentile Cornelius, but it was God's will for him to associate with Cornelius as a soon-to-be brother in Christ and to welcome him and his Gentile family into the church, into the body of Christ. Now, this is where we left Cornelius and Peter last week, with both of them having experienced their own unique visions from God. And in response to his vision, Cornelius has done what he was told to do. He's dispatched two of his servants and a soldier to Joppa to bring Peter back to him. But Peter, having seen his vision, doesn't understand it yet. And so he's left to ponder the meaning of it. Now, these two visions are the first two scenes. There are six scenes in this chapter, but these are the first two scenes of chapter 10. And as Luke continues unfolding the story of how the gospel came to the Gentiles, he proceeds to give us a third scene, which is about the messengers of Cornelius arriving at Peter's residence. So we pick it up in verse 17. Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had seen might be, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. And calling out there, were asking whether Simon, who's also called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Now, as Luke continues, he tells us that while Peter was perplexed as to the meaning of the vision he's just seen, the men that Cornelius sent, they've arrived. They're downstairs. They've arrived at the home where he's staying, the home of Simon the Tanner. 
Meanwhile, Peter is still upstairs on the roof of Simon the Tanner's house, and he is reflecting on this vision. And while he's thinking and trying to figure out what all this means, the Spirit of God speaks to him, informing him that three men are downstairs looking for him. Therefore, the Spirit commands him, go down, go down to the lower level of the house, meet these men, and go with them without any hesitation, because I've sent them. Now, folks, the significance of all of this is that Peter is about to be confronted with a very real dilemma. He doesn't know it yet, but the men who are waiting for him downstairs are all Gentiles, meaning they're non-Jews. That's what a Gentile means, a non-Jew. And up to this point in his life, he has never had any close associations with Gentiles. He's never eaten with any Gentile. He's never had Gentile stay in his house. He's never stayed in a Gentile house. He has been totally segregated from any close contact with Gentiles his entire life. But the Spirit of God has just commanded him to go with these men without any hesitancy, without any doubting, because they have been sent to him by divine order. So what's Peter going to do? Is he going to react to Gentiles the way he's been brought up to react? Or is he going to break from his traditions by responding in obedience to the Spirit of God? Well, Luke tells us what happened as he continues his narrative. Verse 21 and following. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I'm the one you're looking for. What's the reason for which you have come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. Let's stop there. Having gone downstairs now and introduced himself to the three men standing at the gate, Peter inquires as to why they have come looking for him. And they proceed to explain to him about Cornelius, who he is as a military man, a centurion, and what he's like religiously. He is a Gentile God-fearer, short of being a full proselyte, but he believes in the one true God of Israel, and he practices Judaism. And they say that an angel commanded him to send for Peter to hear a message from him. And then notice what Peter does in response to what these men have just told him. He invites them in and gives them lodging. Now, folks, this is no minor action on the part of Peter. This reveals a major shift in his thinking. This reveals that God is at work in Peter's heart, enlightening him as to the meaning of the vision that he's just given him. See, what Peter did by inviting these Gentiles into that house and feeding them, giving them lodging for the night, that was unheard of. Absolutely unheard of among the typical Jewish person of that day. Listen, this is a radical break from everything that Peter has been brought up to believe and to do when it comes to Gentiles. James Montgomery Boyce explains what the typical Jewish person would have done under the same circumstances. Here's what he wrote. He said, normally a Jew would have said, well, it's nice to meet you, but we need to stay out here in the street. You can't come inside. Or he might have said, if you go down this street a little way, I think you'll find an inn where you can stay. Or you can camp out on the beach. I think you'll manage all right there. He continues, 
no Orthodox Jew, and all Jews at that point were Orthodox Jews, but no Orthodox Jew would have invited Gentiles into his house. He would not have sat down at the same table with them. He would have not had any fellowship with them. It was forbidden. But that's not what Peter did. That's significant. You see, by inviting these Gentiles to lodge with him under the same roof, Peter is breaking breaking with his lifelong Jewish traditions and his prejudiced way of thinking. And he's doing this, first of all, because the Spirit of God has commanded him to be with these Gentile men. And secondly, because the meaning of his vision is just beginning to dawn upon him that God has told him that no longer should he think of Gentiles as unclean. Now, we need to understand this was an incredibly bold and it was a courageous move on Peter's part because it took a lot of courage, took a lot of godly integrity to break from his lifelong sinful prejudice in order to follow and to obey the Lord. But listen, I want you to know this is something all of us are called to do. All of us. Because regardless of whether we admit it or not, We all have prejudices. We all have erroneous thinking as well on any number of issues that we've carried into our Christian lives. Therefore, the question for all of us to face is this. When God shows you your sinful prejudices and your faulty, erroneous, unbiblical thinking, are you willing to change? Are you willing to obey Scripture regardless of the cost? That's the issue. And it may indeed cost you dearly. It may cost you friends. It may cost you close relationships. It may cost your reputation. It might even cost you financially to change your thinking and act differently. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, you must be willing to obey him as your Lord, no matter what the cost is. Here's something, though, that should encourage you. When God is at work in your life showing you that you do have prejudices that have to change. You do have man-made traditions and thinking that are violations of Scripture. He'll graciously, he'll gradually prepare your heart so that you are ready and willing to make those changes. Change doesn't come easy to anybody. And it seems to only be harder as you get older. But change we must. Listen, the Lord is with you. The Lord will help you. This is exactly what he did with Peter. Consider how the Lord has been working in Peter's life. Let me backtrack a little bit for you and show you step by step. He's been preparing him for his encounter with these Gentile men and soon to be with Cornelius. First step that began to prepare Peter for associating with Gentiles was when the Lord sovereignly sent him to investigate the conversion of the Samaritans. This was a huge first step because Peter was raised to hate Samaritans almost as much as he was raised to hate Gentiles. Samaritans were a racially mixed people who were part pagan and part Jewish. And they were despised and they were shunned by the Jewish people who John, in the Gospel of John chapter 4 says, Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Not normally. But the Lord was at work in Peter's heart, bringing him to Samaria letting him see the salvation of these people and to witness God's love and grace in the lives of this once hated people. And in doing so, Peter was beginning to see the vastness 
of God's love and how narrow-minded his thinking has been. And we know that Peter had this work of God in his heart and things are changing in his thinking and God is expanding his narrow-mindedness. And why do I say that? Because if you look back at the last verse of Acts chapter 9, we read a remarkable statement in verse 43. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. Now this may look like an insignificant fact concerning Peter's location in the city of Joppa, but it is not insignificant. And as I told you in a previous message, the work of a tanner involved turning the skins of animals into leather, and that necessitated touching the carcasses of dead animals. Folks, that was absolutely taboo, forbidden by the Mosaic law. And so that meant that Simon the Tanner was considered ceremonially unclean. At the beginning of today's broadcast, Pastor Steve told a story about Mahatma Gandhi that was a real eye-opener. Mahatma Gandhi was seeking answers about salvation, but when he went to a church to find out more, he was told to go elsewhere. Gandhi gave up on Christianity because, to him, Christianity had castes just like the Hindu religion. While that is a very sad story, there is an application for us. Are we prejudiced? We all need to search our hearts on this. There's one aspect of the verse-by-verse broadcast that I appreciate, and that is that Pastor Steve preaches the Word of God and does not shy away from uncomfortable topics. Now, if you're able... Please join us next time as we continue with our series, The Gospel Comes to the Gentiles. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.